You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right. And we are back and better than last week, we hope. Special edition of Pros Like Us. We'll be interviewing a couple of college players today. First on the docket is a linebacker from Davenport University, previously at Wayne State. Panthers for Davenport, the Warriors of Wayne State, Division II schools from the GLIAC. That's the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, uh, number 52. He's six foot two, 230 pounds, Julius Wilkerson. Julius, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Hi, thanks for having me. Nothing. Just uh, really excited to get into it. All right, let's do it, Alex. It's draft prep season right now, Julius, and uh, we, we want to find out what facility are you uh, currently training at? I'm training at uh, X3 in Nashville right now. Why did you choose that facility what made it special place for you i mean was it just uh, something that your agent recommended to you no it actually wasn't it came to me um they invited me over uh they invited me to come check out the facility they sent me a bunch of links and everything it came highly recommended by uh, some of my peers i kind of just really liked it i fell in love with the facility really liked what coop and radier were kind of all about down here so Definitely had to jump into it. I was looking at a few other facilities, but in the end, they were able to offer me the best situation. Please tell our listeners about your grueling schedule right now, because most prospects, it takes them a while to get used to going to the facility five or six days a week. That's uh, it's quite an adjustment period for you guys. I would say I'm kind of used to the work, used to the grind of it, uh, really like it. And uh, it's a testament to Cooper and Radier. They make it really enjoyable for us to come in there every day, have a lot of energy, a lot of competition, just a lot of good vibes over there. Uh, but like you said, it is a grind. We're there from 6 a.m. Don't leave until probably around 12. And then obviously you put in some extra work as well just to, because it's, it's your dream. You only got one shot in it. So definitely is a daily grind. Monday through Sunday, but they do a really good job of just kind of keeping us up. You played in CGS All-Star Game in, in Texas that took place a couple of weeks ago. What was that experience like for you? Please share it with our listeners. Yeah, it was a completely different experience for me. I've really never been to Texas in my life, so kind of trying to get familiar with the area and, you know, putting your best uh, foot forward in front of the scouts, but all in all, it was a great opportunity for me. I learned so many things about the ins and outs, not only of football, but just also of the game, game behind the game, obviously. Um, had a really good coaches, uh, learned a lot from them. They shortened it this year. I think it's usually around like four or five days. But uh, this year, they kind of combined the two groups of the kind of larger school guys and the smaller school guys and just let us go to work for two days. Started off day one, one-on-ones. Uh, pass rush and obviously defending the pass and then day two was straight game so I had a lot of fun uh, got to meet a lot of new people a lot of new scouts just kind of uh, you know network and build kind of a background for myself what was the biggest advice that you got from the, the coaches up there whether it was on the field or off the field what was the best advice that you received 
I think the best advice, the one that kind of rings to me is just prepare, prepare for life after football as soon as you step into it. Um, we all know that football is not forever as much as we would want it to be. Uh, you, there's definitely a financial aspect that you have to continue to maintain outside of football. Whenever your career is done, whether that be in three years, one year, 10 years, who knows it, maybe you're Tom Brady going for 20, 40, 50 years. Um, it's going to end one day. you got to make sure that financially you're able to keep on going and not take a severe dip. What made you fall in love with football when you were a youngster? What made this game special for you? I'm sure you played many different sports, but what stuck out to you uh, about football specifically? Man, football is just a place where I can be me. You know, you can be you can be aggressive. You can be loud. It does not matter. Uh, nobody cares. It's actually encouraged. I'm more of a calm, cool, collected guy outside of football, but inside those lines, it's all nothing but just having fun doing it and just working. And I kind of I really embody that coming from middle class family. We just work and we like to have fun at work. And that's what I do when I step in between those lines. I just have fun. Lou already mentioned at the top of the show that you went to Wayne State before you made your way to Davenport coming out of high school. What made the school so appealing to you that you decided to attend it and go there? Yeah, uh, the city of Detroit is beautiful. Wayne State is located in midtown Detroit. And when you get there, you just fall in love. I don't know how else to explain it. There's just so much to do there, so many different new people to meet. They blend academics and athletics seamlessly. Uh, they make it a really good inv inviting environment. And I just I can't say enough about Wayne State and the culture. And just my time there was really special. So I really liked it. What was it like moving from Detroit to Grand Rapids? Yeah, that was a big adjustment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because to say the least, I would think that's like that's like in the Upper Peninsula, right? Uh, no, it's not in the Upper Peninsula. It's not on the quite, west side. Huh? Yeah, it's on the west side, but we're located in Caledonia, which is about 20 minutes away from Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids okay. is kind of like a, I would say, smaller version of Detroit. A little bit of familiarity. Obviously, Grand Rapids has its own thing going on and a beautiful area, too. Not to say that it isn't, but an area that I was in, Caledonia, you know, there wasn't too much to do. Uh, it's a lot of farmland and stuff like that, but... Uh, that all being said, Davenport continues to have different things to kind of get the community involved. And that's kind of what I went to. But obviously I was there to work, so I really didn't care either way what was going to be, uh, what the outside life was going to be like. I just cared about what the football life was going to be like. The club life a little bit different in Detroit, right? <laughs> I wasn't going out to too many clubs, but yeah. <laughs> so... The transfer portal is a thing, right? I mean, it's here to stay. I mean, guys are going to like three, four schools during the course of their careers. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. But you chose to transfer within the conference. What kind of led you in that direction? Yeah, so uh, for me, the biggest thing was I was going to go D1 or I was going to stay in the conference. GLIAC football is the best type of football you can get if you're not going D1. So chose to stay there. I was... It would really be no point of me leaving some of the best competition if I wanted to show the scouts that I could do it. Obviously, you got Ferris, Grand Valley, and Davenport, and all those other schools. Like you see, Gleak schools go outside of the conference, and we have really good success. So it wasn't the most welcoming decision to my fellow peers at Wayne State, but had to make the move to Davenport just because of how everything else fell out. 
Now, everywhere you've been, you've been up for, I mean, you've achieved academic success, uh, whether it's all, all academic for the, for the conference, various awards. You were one of 15 guys nominated for the William V. Campbell Trophy, which for, to our listeners, if you're not familiar with it, it's commonly referred to as like the Heisman of academics. And you were the only D2 player that was nominated for the award. For example, I believe Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa, the place for the Lions right now, was up for the award. Where does your academic prowess come from? Where, how, how do you sustain that no matter where you've been? Yeah, that's just a God-given gift, honestly. Like, I couldn't really tell you. I'm good at it. Like, I, it's just something that kind of comes natural to me. I know how to answer questions and um, academically. Not to say that we don't have a really good support staff at Wayne State and a stellar uh, support staff at Davenport because I definitely needed them both. But it kind of just comes easy. I like problem solving and solving problems, and that's kind of what school is. And how does that help you as the football player, Julius? Yeah, it helps me a lot. Uh, like I said, I like solving problems, and that's kind of what football is. Uh, you have a problem, the offense is trying to go down the field, let's solve it. I honestly feel like, in a way, football's helped me with school because I feel it's easier for me to study for football than it is for school just because I know what works for me. I know making flashcards and everything like that to study the plays and kind of going over it. I'm more of a visual learner. So if I can see it, I can get it done. And being able to go over plays and stuff like that kind of translates back to what I can do in academics. I'm like, okay, if I do this for football, then it's going to work for uh, for class as well. So. So at this stage, would you say, and this is going to be a tough one and it might not even be fair, but I'm going to ask anyway, would you say you're a better athlete or scholar? Uh, at this stage, I would say athlete. I'm going to say athlete because, you know, that's kind of what our conversation is about. Don't want people to get it twisted. <laughs> I am a very right. good athlete. But uh, yeah, it's kind of been neck and neck all my years. You mentioned the community aspect of things uh, in Caledonia. Is that is that how you say it? Yeah. You've been awarded in this in this area as well. You won the GLIAC McAvoy Award that was for character, leadership, academics, and community work. You're part of the All-State AFCA Good Works team. Can you kind of give an idea of some of the things that you do in the community and what makes you so passionate about it? I do what I can do. Um, I've always said, like, I've always been told, if you have a talent at something, it's your duty to help other people with it. And I don't have a lot of money right now. So what I do have is time and I do have a, a capable body. So I just kind of try to help out with what I can. It's been something that's been the reason I do it is just because of my faith. I believe in our good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's kind of what he's all about, helping other people. And that's kind of what motivates me to just continue to help and show that love that he's shown me. Julius, how would you describe your playing style? What are the the biggest attributes that you bring to the football field? Yeah, um, my playing style is fast sideline to sideline backer. Um, I think that's kind of one of the major things that I bring. I'm able to diagnose plays very quickly, get to my spot, get to where I need to be, um, whether that be in pass coverage or in the run game. Uh, traditionally growing up, I feel like I was a better run stopper, but this year I got really good asset in the pass game as well. Like I said, I'm just able to diagnose it quickly. I do a lot of work uh, before the game to make sure that 
when it comes game time, it's kind of just like second nature to me and I'm just kind of flowing. All right. How about critiquing yourself? What do you think you need to improve upon? What are some of those areas that you need to improve upon? Yeah, I really like that question because to know what you do well, you got to know what you lack in as well. So um, for me, I would say I need to be able to get off of blocks a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. It's never a bad thing. I think I did uh, looking back before I transferred, I knew I was uh, lacking a couple areas and uh, a credit to Coach Walker. Uh, him and me put together a great plan of how I was going to get better. Um, like I said, I got better in the past game. I got better using my hands, got better using my body to a- avoid blocks and not even take them on sometimes. Being able to use my hands quickly and violently, I've been able to do, but now it's just let's get a little bit faster. Let's get everything a little bit faster. Let's get a little bit faster recognition. Let's get a little bit uh, faster tempo. Let's be a, uh, a little bit better in the pass game. Let's get, be a little bit better in the run game. I don't know how I showed that off with my hands and block destruction during pro day, but what they will see is my fluidity uh, during the drills. At Wayne State, uh, you were named team captain for three years in a row. So how mm-hmm. honored were you to get recognized by your teammates and, and coaches on the team? Yeah, I was very honored. I was very, very, very honored. Uh, it meant a lot to me for my redshirt sophomore year. Yeah, that was 2020. Uh, I was voted team uh, captain, and I was very honored for that. It was an incredible surprise. It means the world to you. You know, these other awards where it's up to the coaches and it's up to other people who you don't know, you don't honestly really care about because you kind of know who you are. But for your teammates to go up there and say, like, hey, I want you to lead me, that means so much to me. That means the world because those are the guys that you really care about. Those are the guys that you're in and they're with within the trenches all the time. And those are the opinions that really matter. Like you said, I was blessed to be named team captain for three years in a row at Wayne State. And then to go do it at Davenport as well was just an extreme honor. All right, Julius, I got one more football question. Then we'll get into some social media stuff and some fun that uh, I'm sure Alex will really appreciate. He's more of the football guy. If a scout was, uh, you know, turns on tape, right, of your games, is there a particular series of plays or is there a signature play that you would say, man, if they saw this, this kind of embodies what I am as a player? I'll give you a game, Grand Valley this year. I think that embodies who I am. Um, I'm quick. I'm fast. I'm able to be disruptive as well. Vital asset in the past game. And I just don't stop. I got a motor that just does not stop. I don't come out the game because I feel like I'm the one who's able to put our team in the best position to win. And that's not that's just a testament to how much I prepare myself and prepare my body everywhere I've went. Uh, I don't like to come out. Not going to be a diva about it if I do. I obviously know it's a it's football, it's a game. I do my best before the game to make sure that I'm an asset during the game. All right. And on your social media, I saw something C O S N O P. What is that? And uh, I guess the importance of it to you. Yeah. So that is Cosnop. It's not really like a thing that other people say. Uh, when I was a little kid, I really liked this. I passed down this book series to me called The Wizard's First Rule, and it's a mythical book and everything like that. But good series. I really liked it. But the one thing that kept on, they kept on saying is concentrate on the solution, not on the problem. And that kind of rings everywhere in life. If you are only concentrating on the problem, you'll never open yourself up to 
the possibilities of a solution. And that's kind of just how I try to live my life day to day. Words to live by. I mean, I, I mean, literally. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and then you also had a quote on just trying to get better than I was yesterday. How did you do that today? Yeah. Today, I was able to get up and do my whole routine flawlessly. I think I did a really good job of just kind of getting into my morning routine and get into the facility uh, early so I can get into some extra work. And I kind of had a really good work day. I, I'm really proud of myself and the way that I trained and making sure that I took every rep. Is there one specific piece that kind of stood out today? Today? Um, a particular rep, a particular exercise, a particular drill? Yeah, I'd say when we were doing incline bench, it felt easy. It felt easier. I think I had really good form, um, some of my best form. That's kind of what I've been working on. Obviously, you have to do – incline isn't as – isn't the exact same as regular bench, but, you know, we have to do regular bench for uh, pro day testing. Really just synchronizing, just looking at different sources at the best technique for bench pressing. I'm, I'm getting really good at it, I feel like. Uh, so that's something that really stood out to me today is just my form and just how easy it kind of felt with – when I tuned it in with my breathing and everything else, bracing my core, just kind of getting the power in my legs as well. This is off of like a college website, but it mentioned that uh, your favorite movie was uh, Will Smith's The Pursuit of Happiness. First, is that true? And then two, how did you come by that as your favorite movie? Okay, yeah, it, it was true. But this year, <laughs> something came, came out, out better. Yeah, they came out with The Million Miles Away, uh, the story about the first Hispanic. No, he went into space. Uh, but his story was so good. It was, oh my gosh, it made me cry. But The Pursuit of Happiness is a great movie. It has to be either tied for number one or possibly a really second number two, a really, really close number two. And it just came about, I was, you know, one day during, I think, COVID or something like that. It was probably earlier than that. But day I was just going through movies and stuff and turned on the pursuit of happiness. That really got me because I'm a real uh, family guy. I love my family. I want to be a great father one day. It's kind of what keeps me going. And just to see everything that that man went through to make sure that his son, his son was secure and that he was able to obviously pursue his happiness, get to get to a point where he, he loved what he did. That kind of really that stuck with me. I like movies that kind of have emotion and have a meaning behind them. And man, if that's not one. Yeah, I'm there with you because I, you know, I saw it in the theater. I mean, that's, this is going back a few years. I took my son to see it because it really shows you that you can succeed in life without the best circumstances. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, here's a guy, he's homeless. He's going from shelter to shelter to make sure that uh, his son has somewhere to sleep at night. He's going, somehow gets a job at a brokerage firm. And this is a true story. And mm -hmm. he ends up becoming a very, you know, very successful. So I don't have to tell you about this, Julius, but <laughs> anybody that's listening, if you, I mean, Will Smith, it's one of his best because it's a serious, very serious role. And it really has a strong message. So very cool. And I thought it was very cool that, that you picked that as your, as your favorite movie. Okay. Last one. What is your biggest pet peeve? Man, I would say when somebody tells me a story and then like a week later tells me the same story. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex can attest to that. He's heard my stories a few times. <laughs> like if that's the dynamic of our relationship, I get it. But like at some point, <laughs> you got to realize you told me this before, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, when you only have one good one, you know, you kind of tell it as often as you can. And sometimes you might have had a drink or two. So uh, I'm with you there. And I, I got to catch myself. So, Alex, I apologize uh, in advance for what I tell you another story you've heard 50 times. Uh, Julius, you want to shout out your social media where people can find you or some of the projects that you're working on, community projects that you might want to uh, give some time to? Yeah, um, thank you for that. I think if you're in the Detroit area, please check out Farm, Family Assistance for Renaissance Men. They're doing great work over there in the community. Just always want to shout them out when I have the opportunity to do so. Social media, you can follow me like J-U underscore J-U Wilkerson on Instagram and then Julius Wilkerso one on Twitter because I think I made Twitter for class in high school one day and they didn't have Julius Wilkerson, but they had Julius Wilkerso one. So that's that's my Twitter. There you go. All right. Very good. Gang, that was Julius Wilkerson. Good luck in the rest of your prep, Julius. Good luck through the process, and hopefully you do get drafted. And if not, catch on as an undrafted free agent. We'll be looking for you. So for Alex, I'm Lou. On to the next one. All right. Here's our second interview on the special episode of uh, Pros Like Us. I'm joined by offensive lineman from Stonehill College, number 73, David Sapkowski. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm curious. Obviously, it's something new for you guys, uh, training, getting ready for the draft. I mean, how is the adjustment period just going to the training facility, you know, five or six days during the week? It's been great so far. Uh, definitely an interesting transition, but uh, one I feel like I've settled into pretty quickly. I began training after the CGS All-Star Game that uh, was down in Fort Worth, Texas a couple of weeks ago. But I spent a lot of time before that uh, training on my own, but also making sure that I put myself in a good position where uh, I could really hone in these next few months uh, on training. And uh, it's been really good so far. So uh, the transition hasn't really been too drastic. Uh, I've kind of jumped right into it and I'm making the most of it. So it's been great so far. And I'm looking forward to keeping grinding uh, exceed sports performance in Westboro, Massachusetts, uh, for the next few months. Why did you choose that specific facility in Massachusetts? I mean, what made it stand out among many others, which I'm sure you were considering? Definitely the biggest reason for me above all else, was that uh, our football uh, head liaison of strength training, uh, Rob Ruggiero, he had an opportunity himself uh, to pursue playing professional football a number of years ago. And when I had a discussions with him about potentially looking at going pro, he recommended uh, Sean and Exceed. Uh, he had nothing but great things to say about them. And uh, kind of as I got into this process, uh, Sean was a huge help in helping me get in contact with the agent and just kind of answering any and all questions I had about the whole process. So uh, the head of the gym, Sean, he's been great. And uh, I have nothing but great reviews from some of the guys he's had in, uh, my strength coach Rob, and just uh, nothing but great things I heard about him in his place. So uh, that's why I went with him and Exceed, and uh, it's been great so far. David, how grueling is this whole process, doing all the drills, getting ready for all the tests that you're going to have to do during the pro day. Obviously, it's not really football. It's more like footwork. It's more like getting everything right, like in terms of running your 40 and doing the three cone and the bench press. 
was a tough to adjust to in the beginning? I wouldn't necessarily call it grueling. I would call it more tedious. Um, for, I mean, I have really, especially in these past couple of years, taken pride in making sure that I use the off season as the time to get my body and my mind right uh, for an upcoming season. And obviously this time around this off season, it's a little different because uh, I don't really know where I'm going to end up playing football in the next few months. So it's definitely been different. Uh, but I, again, I wouldn't necessarily call it grueling. Uh, it's just more tedious because... You know, at the end of the day, you're preparing uh, to test like the 40 yard dash, uh, that's 5105, bench press, all that stuff. There's only so many different, you know, variety of workouts that you could do ultimately in order to get prepared for each of the different drills that they test. So, uh, you know, definitely, there's definitely some repetitiveness to it. Not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, it's just kind of how it is. So, uh, definitely a different way of approaching training that I'm used to. But uh, again, the guys at Exceed have been great and super helpful with this transition and uh, i've been having a lot of fun with it to be honest so uh so far so good and uh, i'm looking forward to keep going with it what areas of your game are you looking to improve on in order to to make it at the next level what do you think you need to get better at during your training i could definitely point to a couple of certain areas like for example making sure i uh, get some weight on uh because i know i'm on a bit of the lighter side especially for the pro level and uh, working on my upper body strength. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's really finding a way to improve on everything. I really feel like if you just hone in on one area during this process, you're kind of shortchanging yourself for growing as an athlete as a whole. I know the areas that I need to improve in, but really I'm looking to improve in all areas because, you know, the stuff I feel like I'm already good at, like such as my uh, agility and athleticism, I want to keep improving that because there's always room for growth. And uh, on top of that, making sure I have a little bit of of more of a honed focus on the areas that I need to improve in. You mentioned at the top of the show that you were part of the CGS All-Star game a couple of weeks ago. What was that experience like as a whole? Uh, it was definitely a unique experience. Um, so at Stonehill, we never had a game where we had to fly anywhere. You know, kind of having that transition of hopping on a flight, uh, having, you know, making sure my gear got down to Texas and, uh, you know, kind of, being on your own for the whole process of preparing to uh, play in practices and games. That was definitely a unique experience and one that I had to adjust to quickly on the fly. But uh, I was fortunate that I, I had a smooth flight on the way down and uh, I got, I was able to settle in the day before uh, the event started. So um, I didn't feel like it was too much, too difficult of a transition necessarily. And while I was there, I mean, I met so many great, players and coaches and personnel while I was down there. Uh, definitely a unique and cool experience that I was so fortunate to be a part of. And my biggest takeaway from it is something that I've known I've had to focus on as I make this transition, but something that was really hammered down is at this event was just, you know, treating everything like you're a pro. Playing and preparing for football now is not necessarily just, you know, being with your buddies on your college team and kind of taking it in a college approach. It's, you know, Every day you need to look to get better and take things as a professional, whether it's doing training or, you know, having different discussions with different people. Now, it's all stuff that I need to look at uh, through a pro lens and look at it like this is my job. Now it really is. So I feel like that was the biggest takeaway that I had from the workshops and other conversations I had with coaches there. And that's something that I've really taken to heart. And I knew that before I entered this process. But now, especially after going through the game, that's something that I've really been focusing on and uh, training all aspects of my day and my life uh, in that way. So just being 
ready to be a professional and be someone that guys can rely and count on is definitely uh, what I took away from that. At the next level, do you see yourself as a guard or a center? Where do you feel most comfortable at? To be completely honest, I feel comfortable playing at all five positions. Personally, I see myself as a center. Uh, that's the position I played in my last season at Stonehill College. And I felt I got really comfortable, to be honest, really good playing at center. But, you know, I feel like I could play right guard or left guard. And even if I needed to, I have experience playing both right and left tackle in game. Long story short, uh, I feel most comfortable playing center, but I also feel very comfortable playing guard or tackle. Do you love the, the responsibility that comes with playing center? Because usually you make those line calls. I mean, you point out some of those blitzing linebackers out there. I mean, is that something you enjoy because you have more responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a center, you know that your job is a lot more mental up front than it is, you know, maybe the more physical aspect of it, not saying that it's not physical. As a center, I got really used to this past season at, uh, making those calls and making sure that I understand not only what my job is on a play, but what all five offensive linemen's job is and also what the quarterback, running back and receivers are doing on each and every play. I really, truly love the game of football, so it's been really cool to kind of learn what everyone's doing on the football field, both from an offensive perspective and defensive perspective. And then being able to apply that knowledge both quickly and efficiently uh, at center is something I really enjoy doing. It's something that I definitely feel like I could excel at at the professional level. And I really hope I have the opportunity to do that. In college, you were named a team captain. What did that mean to you, just being recognized by your teammates and your coaches? It was a huge honor being named team captain. It's a role that I wanted to take on and I felt prepared and ready for. And since I played my senior year of college, I played at tackle. And then for my grad year, the year I was named captain, I made the move to center. On top of all the responsibilities that come with being a center and making those calls, I also took on the responsibility of being a captain. So uh, it was definitely an adjustment. But uh, we were fortunate enough to train and be around all the guys in the summer at Stonehill College. So over the summer, I was able to kind of practice and work on my leadership skills, both within an offensive line perspective and as a team captain. So that way, when the season came, it was kind of smooth sailing from there. I felt comfortable in that role. And uh, I really valued that the guys on my team trusted me to be in that role. And I believe that if uh, you're, you were to ask any of those guys how I did in my role as captain, I think, and I hope that they would say that I did a good job and I was one of the leaders of the team and why we had a successful year this past year. David, how did you get introduced to the sport of football? How did your football journey begin? Yeah, so I might not necessarily have the most normal experience, I guess you could say, because a lot of the guys I talked to played peewee football and played football growing up. And by the time they got to high school, were super experienced. But for me, I didn't start playing football until high school. My dad played at the University of Rhode Island. So uh, definitely grew up in a household where football was always on. And um, my parents and my brothers uh, really enjoyed the sport of football. But there was never real any pressure on me to play football growing up. I, was, I did cross country. I played basketball. And uh, those are kind of my first two loves of, of, as sports, uh, especially basketball. So by the time I began looking at playing football and actually doing it my freshman year of high school, uh, it was definitely a transition for me. You know, I, though I was familiar with the game of football, I wasn't really familiar with the culture of it or just how much uh, time and work 
was needed to be successful at playing football. So throughout high school, I kind of took on that challenge and I felt like I got really comfortable and good with it. And uh, it's really put me in a position of success, both at the college level and hopefully at the professional level. Did you become an alignment right away on your freshman team? Is that where they put you? Yeah. So originally uh, as a freshman, I played at tackle in high school. Uh, my sophomore year, we ran a wing T offense. So um, I wasn't at offensive line that year. But I was playing tight end, which in a wing T offense, if anyone knows anything about it, it's basically like being a sixth or seventh lineman out on the field. I had experience there, and I also had experience playing defensive line. And I was so fortunate for that because throughout my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I had that two-way uh, responsibility. So I'm not necessarily saying that I learned everything from it, especially at a high school level, but uh, definitely – you know, taking on the challenge of being a good defensive lineman, both at end and nose guard, uh, it really made me understand kind of what defenses were doing on a basic level and how uh, defensive linemen, what their responsibilities were. And I felt like that really, really made my uh, growth at offensive tackle in high school that much more better because I really felt like I understood what was going on up front. And um, I really felt like it put me in a position for success in college. So you mentioned that you got a late start when it came to football. You started playing only in high school, so that is a little bit different. So you also got a late start, I'm sure, for recruiting as well, right? What was that like for you? I mean, were only like smaller colleges interested in you? Were you considering maybe going to a community college as well, like a junior college? I mean, what's your background story when it comes to recruiting? Really throughout my whole recruiting process, I didn't really understand much about it. And looking back on it, I really wish I did because I did have interest from a number of schools, but they're primarily Division Two and Division Three schools. Uh, I had interest from a couple of Division One FCS schools. Um, it was definitely interesting. Uh, I definitely had attention from schools, but again, I, I didn't really understand the whole process of making sure that like I made a highlight tape, but I didn't necessarily know how to like get in contact with coaches or how to push that forward. And uh, it was a process I kind of went through blindly with. So, um, you know, I'm so glad that I ended up at Stonehill College. Uh, They're the first school that took interest in me back in my junior year. And they were the school that made me realize, like, oh, I have a really good chance at playing football, not just at the high school level, but at the college level. From there, I kind of looked at other schools, but really I fell in love with Stonehill College, the coaches, uh, the guys there, and the campus as a whole. And uh, I kind of took the ball from there, and uh, I'm really glad that <laughs> my ignorance in hindsight might have been the best thing for me because Stonehill was such a great match for me, and I loved every second that I had playing there. So it was, uh, again, a unique experience, but definitely one that I'm glad I went through. What was the biggest thing that, that stood out to you about Stonehill College that made you want to go, I want to play there? Uh, it was definitely the community aspect of Stonehill College. Uh, the coaches made sure that during the recruiting process, they weren't just getting to know me as a player. They're getting to know me as a person. You know, whether there was official visits I went on or a game day visit I went on, that that kind of culture really stood out uh, in everything that I did throughout the recruiting process. As I kind of began to narrow down schools and really look at what school was the best fit for me, uh, I felt like Stonehill was the best place I could grow, not only just as a football player, but as a person in the classroom and out on the campus. And uh I mean, it was kind of a no no doubter for me once my senior year ended and uh, I kind of began looking seriously at where I wanted to attend college and what football program I wanted to be a part of. Really, I had my heart set on it since the end of my senior year. So, yeah, I'm glad I made that decision. 
and it's definitely paid off for me. I'm almost certain that most of our listeners don't know anything about the university. So mm -hmm. put your school on the map for us, David. Uh, tell us about Stonehill College just in general as far as football goes and the academics. Yeah, that's that's definitely a conversation I had before in my own life about Stonehill College because when I say I play Division One football at Stonehill College, a lot of people are A, don't even know what Stonehill College is or B, didn't even know it was a Division One school. So I'll give a little background on that. When I got to Stonehill College, we were a Division Two school and my first year of college football was before the COVID-19 pandemic. In the five years that I was there, I mean, you definitely saw the growth of the school and how it transitioned from being at the Division II level uh, my freshman year. And then by my senior year, it was at the Division I level. Um, so it is a smaller campus, uh, you know, a school in just below, just south of Boston that, uh, you know, a lot of people might not have heard of. But uh, it's definitely a really cool and unique experience there, you know, being in that small school setting while also now being able to compete at the division one level, you kind of have that balance of a small school feel while also having those high competitive athletic programs. The biggest thing I could talk for hours about is just the community there, whether it's the people that I was fortunate enough to call my friends or the professors or the coaches, uh, everyone doesn't care for you just as you know, someone who attends the school or someone who's in my class or someone who's on my football team, uh, all the people there really care about who you are as a person and developing you into the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. And if I was to, you know, give a recommendation or why a reason why people should care about Stonehill College, it would definitely be that. It's, you know, when you watch a Stonehill football game or any of the athletics programs there, you know that uh, it's not just athletes who are just there for a year or two and looking to hit the portal. It's people who are committed to the college, its mission, and uh, really building not only themselves as good people, but also building the people around them to be the best versions of themselves. What was the adjustment like for the football program and for you personally when you made the jump to the FCS level a couple of years back? Uh, it was definitely a unique experience. I mean, there's no, <laughs> you can't Google what's a transition like from division two to FCS, you know? So everyone, including myself kind of had to look in the mirror and, you know, evaluate what we did as a division two program, what about our culture was good and could, ex you know, excel at that division one level and what about our culture and our program needed to change. And again, that started with an introspective look at myself where I knew I needed to not only step up in terms of my training and my preparation for a football season in each football game, but also how I took, my responsibilities in the classroom, how I acted around, you know, the people in my own life, both at the school and outside of the school. And um, as a football program as a whole, you know, we needed to look at how uh, we, again, just did everything, uh, whether it's game planning or practice or games, you know, it was a huge adjustment. But, you know, when you talk about it on such a grand scale, it seems daunting. But as you take it day by day and you focus each day on, you know, an aspect of growth or a way we need to change, uh, you know, it's really manageable from there. So uh, I really think that showed in my two years playing Division One at Stonehill College. Uh, we definitely improved greatly as a team, both in terms of culture and in terms of just actual win-loss record. And uh, it's something that I hope I laid the foundation for that uh, Stonehill College will continue to grow. And it won't be a school that listeners go, oh, who's this kid from Stonehill College? <laughs> it's uh, a school that will definitely uh, earn the recognition for the great place that it is. What do you enjoy the most about 
you know, being an offensive lineman, about you know playing in the trenches. Honestly, I think it's seeing the people around me succeed. And I know that sounds a little cliche as an offensive lineman to say, but I truly mean it. Um, you know, as an offensive lineman, you know you're not going to get any stats, any games. You know, you're not going to be the poster boy of a team or a program. But, you know, you know that as you put in the work, as you put in the time both off the field and on the field, really put yourself in a position to succeed each and every game, that you're going to really help out someone, whether it's quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or even the defensive guys uh, be in a position where they could get their stats and get their, you know, really perform at a high level. So that way uh, you could see those guys succeed. And a few guys that stick out to mind that I played with that, you know, I was, were the reasons I came back from my fifth year at Stonehill and guys that I wanted to make sure I worked for to prepare to win is uh, guys like Jermaine Corbett, Asher Karaha, uh, Will Diamantis, Chris Domerkant. Uh, those are all guys that I loved having as teammates. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do my part in, you know, going out there, having fun myself, you know, putting people in the dirt and, you know, playing tough physical football. But also, you know, I knew that my play could directly correlate to those guys having really successful uh, seasons and careers. So uh, definitely that aspect of it, uh, having guys, putting guys in a position where they could succeed and kind of, <laughs> I guess you could say, living vicariously through them. But also, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to earn a lot of both academic and athletic honors in my time at Stonehill. So uh, definitely, you know, putting those guys first also led to my own personal success. So definitely that. You kind of let the, the cat out of the bag. I mean, not only have you had success on the football field, but you've had a lot of success in the classroom. You were 2022 Northeast Conference Scholar Athlete of the Year. Uh, you've received like a presidential merit scholarship in college, and you've been named to the dean's list almost, I think, every semester for having a, a high grade point average. Where does that academic prowess come from? The old phrase, how you do anything is how you do everything. I mean, I really credit my parents for uh, how I had so much success in the classroom. Uh, they really pushed me beginning at a young age. Uh, to, you know, not only succeed in the sports that I played or, you know, in my social life, but to really have a focus on academics, because uh, especially growing up, you know, that's your that's your job, basically. Uh, so when it came to college, uh, as I went into a culture and a program that, you know, really value not only what you did, you know, the hard work you did on the football field or in the weight room, but also valued uh, how you perform in the classroom. Uh, I felt like I took a, uh, a lot of those life lessons and skills that I learned throughout my K through 12 experience. And I was able to apply it at a college level where I not only performed at the level I did in high school, but I was able to far exceed uh, my, even my own expectations of how I could perform in the classroom. And again, that starts with the day-to-day -day process of making sure you're on top of getting your work done and, uh, you know, just, you know, making sure you're not goofing off at a party or, uh, you know, hanging out with your boys till 3am, you know, you kind of, have some restraint and uh, some prowess to you to, uh, you know, make sure you're prioritizing what needs to get done. When you really focus on that day by day and those day by day battles uh, adds up to big things, uh, such as some of the awards that I was fortunate enough to receive. So, uh, yeah, I would say uh, that was the biggest factors and reasons why I was able to have some success both on the football field and the classroom. What do you want to pursue after football? Do you want to continue your education? So <laughs> I went to school for secondary education and history. Uh, as I tell people, is a 
long way of saying that I want to become a high school history teacher. I still think I have my heart set on doing that. You know, it's it's kind of hard to look beyond football right now when you're so deep in the process. But, uh, you know, whenever my time comes to an end playing football, I think that's that's where my heart lays uh, going to, you know, give back to whether it's the town I grew up growing up in or just any community I'm fortunate enough to work in, giving back to the community and helping out uh, the youth that, you know, <laughs> it sounds a little cliche, but, you know, make an impact on the world is such a cool opportunity. And uh, growing up, I had so many great teachers that I could really look back on that uh, helped me become the person I am today. And if I could be a small part of someone else's life uh, as a teacher and, you know, really give back and give what so many other great teachers that I had gave to me, then uh, that's something that I think is really fulfilling and cool to say you did. So I would definitely say being a history teacher or just a teacher or coach or whatever it might be in general is definitely what I want to do in the future. David, thank you for joining me on this show and for telling your story. I, I really appreciate it. And good luck at your uh, pro day. Yeah, thank you very much, Alex. I appreciate you having me on. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen and uh, keep tuning into the show. That was offensive lineman from Stonehill College, David Setkowski. Our listeners, you know, thank you for tuning in to another great episode. And as my partner, Lou, would always say, peace.